state your name this after the tone, and Google Voice will try to connect you. This is Dominic. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Pastor Janet. How are you today? I am well. How are you, Jeff Dominic? I am very excited. I'm doing very good. <laughs> very thrilled Wonderful. that you were able to make time for us. Well, I'm grateful for this opportunity, definitely. Well, you know, this is something, again, that we are we have been looking forward to. Everyone, please, again, help me welcome Pastor Janice to the Bullet and Flight Network family. She is the senior pastor, as you all know, of City of, of Refuge, Memphis, and her, her church service is new to Bullet and Flight Radio. And she is, as you see, she, she is joining the network here in September. So, yes, yeah, so be on the lookout for her and uh, City of Refuge, Memphis. Just wanted to give that plug <laughs> real fast. Drop that plug. Thank you. So, Pastor Janice, oh, my pleasure. I know I don't. I know you're a busy woman, and we don't want to keep you long, but we had a couple of questions about who you are. There's a lot of curiosity about the folks that are on Bulletin Flight Radio, the pastors, the speakers, and the shows. And everyone I have, I was, as I said, I went out in July to Convocation, the TFAM convention, and I met some extraordinary people, and I wanted them to be on this network. They're programming to be on this network, and I wanted to have the opportunity to introduce them to you. So my first question, oh, it's my pleasure. How did you first get into the ministry? What drew you? Honestly, I would have to say God drew me. Um, I grew up in church. I actually grew up in the United Methodist Church and was active in church, active in the youth initiatives and in the choir and Sunday school and all of those things. So I knew, you know, about God and knew the things of God. But when I went to college, there were some some friends that would ask me literally every every week when I was going to go to church with them. And I, I would say one day, one day, I would never promise any particular Sunday. I would just simply say one day. And then I finally went. And subsequently, probably about three or four months after that, um, I got saved. I like to say I got saved. That, that, that was the first time I got saved. Um, and it was a, a you know, a Kojic church, a church of God in Christ. And so anybody, you know, is, is grew up in the Kojic church, you know, that, or, or you started going to a Kojic church, you understand that you, you got you got saved multiple times. Uh, but that's that's, that's first, very true. First. <laughs> Because if you skip if you skip two Sundays, then they figured you had backslid and then you had to get saved again. Um, you could have just been on vacation. It was just a vacation. That's all I was on a vacation. You know? But uh, but the pastor at at that time pre was was preaching uh, a series, and he preached a series regarding praying and asking God 
what one's destiny or purpose is, what God's, God's purpose and God's destiny for your life is. Now, mind you, I was 18 years old, and I was in New Orleans, Louisiana, uh, in college. And so my purpose and destiny was, was not, it was a little different probably. The way it was a little different. I know it was uh, what I thought. But I took to heart what Superintendent Brown preached about. And I started praying. And he talked about fasting. I grew up United Methodist. Never, that was not a concept. That was not something that we were taught. And I did. I prayed and I asked it. And I remember the day the Lord spoke to me, you know, and, and told me that God was calling me to evangelism. I didn't know what that meant. You know, not really. But I kind of stuck it to the side. And then over time, you know, God began to nurture, nurture, cultivate, and define and redefine, um, redefine what God was calling me to do. So that was kind of my my genesis. Oh wow, that is that is, <laughs> and that all started about eighteen, and that's something. Eighteen. Mm-hmm. And so you were in the choir, you said. I was in, um, like I said, a Methodist growing up. I was in the youth choir and in um, church in New Orleans. So I didn't do the choir there uh, because I had, you know, started schoolwork, had a lot of study. But, you know, we went to church two, three services on Sunday. We actually had Sunday school on Tuesday evening, which was different. Yeah. But I went to Sunday school. I've always, I've, I've always loved to study and to read and to dig deep and ask the question why of everything and everybody. That's that's um, how you see that's a sign of intelligence right there. So don't be ashamed folks out there being inquisitive. God can take your questions, trust me. Always there's no fit in asking questions. Most pastors though also I notice have have uh, uh, the the music ministry is is kind of in their their system in their blood somehow they have some background so to hear you say that you started off in a choir is no mm-hmm. surprise to me. <laughs> That's usually how it kind of starts. No. So do you play any mm-hmm. instruments? Do you have any secret talents there? Uh, well, secrets. Well. Um, so I I actually play the piano. Um, ah. trained, um and I've been well sorry at playing, I think I was either six or seven. And, and I always wanted though to play by ear. And I have not been able to do it. Now if you put music in front of me, I can read it all day long and play. But I cannot play by ear. But I do play the piano. I was in the band um from Seventh grade, all the way through twelfth grade, and the funny thing um, with the band, my band teacher, you know, went around. I was asking everybody, you know, what they wanted to the instrument they thought they wanted to play. So people felt like flute, trombone, trumpet, clarinet, you know, pretty much to me the generic instruments. And finally, he got to me. Well, no, what he asked them, and then he got to me. I asked him, I said, well, what instrument do you have that no one has expressed an interest in? 
and he said the oboe. And I said, uh, that's what I want to learn how to play. Wow. And so all the way through junior high school and high school, I was the only person who ever played the oboe and then that led me to the bassoon, the French horn, and the English horn. Because of, you know, those double reed they're double you know, double reed instruments. And they're a little bit you know, a little cumbersome to, to yeah. play, but uh but very enjoyable. And I'll tell you this just Dominic, I, I have this little funny story. I, I I laugh about it when I think about it. So in junior high school, I think we were in eighth or ninth grade. It had to be ninth grade. Um, there was a new guy who, who transferred from one junior high school to our junior high school, and he drums. Well, I always played percussion during marching band season, and when we um, went to parades, because the oboe is not a you know a marching band instrument. Yeah, but the, the band director put me in the percussion section, even in the seventh grade, because I could read music. Wow. And the guys couldn't read. Wow. So I could read anything. Yeah. So the guys could not read. And so I would go back there, work with them, teach them, you know, write cadences and everything. And so when this guy transferred from, from a rival school, and he's going to play drums, and he's back there, you know, just you know, kind of macho, kind of, you know, very chauvinistic. And the other guys were like, no, man, you know, that that's not it. You know, Janice is going to show us. And he was, I don't need a girl to show me how to play. I know, I know how to play. I was okay. I just sat there. <clears throat> and after our band instructor came back there, and he, he lined all of us up and told us, okay, I need you all to play. You know, everybody's stumbling through the music, stumbling through the music. He couldn't do it. And Mr. George Jones, I'll never forget. Mr. George Jones said, just come up here and play this for them, please. And I had my stick, and I'm on that drum, and I'm licking it. And he was fire hot. I bet. And the band, our um, band instructor told us, she reads music. You all do not. Mm-hmm. And so... All that, so I played everything. I've played wow. everything in the percussion section from bass to snare to try wow. to, uh, to chime to that to xylophones to the marching band, uh, uh, bells to the full wooden zyre to timpani. Symbols, I think I've played pretty much everything there is um, back there. So those are all my instruments, I think. That is amazing. I really relate to that because in high school I was in marching band and I played the tuba. Really? Oh, yes. ooh, wow. You guys you guys always rock. Yes, that was it was so much fun. And it just like your teacher, I didn't want I wanted to play clarinet. I wanted to learn the treble clef, you know, mm-hmm. that whole chart and just call it a day. And he said, Nah, we need more tuba players. And you need to learn how to read bass, and you got, I can tell you got good rhythm, and that's what you need to do. <laughs> he just transferred me and made right. me do it, and, and I the started catching on and learning how uh-huh. to read immediately. So, yes, if that was, yeah, wow. I, I totally, <laughs> that, that's funny. So, tell me, since we're talking about childhood, tell me what your childhood was like. <sighs> 
just Dominic, I have to say, I, I had the most wonderful childhood. I was not the perfect child. I was very inquisitive. That's sure a good you were the perfect word, child. We're we, we mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. the perfect child. Of course you were. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You'd be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Always into stuff. But I'm an only child. Oh. And I am I'm a very fortunate person because my parents actually adopted me when I was nine months old. Oh wow. And beautiful. I you know, I, I I've never struggled with any type of identity. I know other uh, children or other people that are grown, of course, like me. Now but I know those who have and have always, you know, had that longing to to know or find out and to meet their biological parents and all, all of that and siblings, but that has just never been my desire. Um, not that there's anything wrong with it, but it just hasn't been mine. Your, and your parents I, I know made, it happened. Made you, you feel know. completely loved and whole, it, it sounds like. They loved you. They made you feel whole. There, my 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 dad school. In fact, he had some English. My dad talked for a while, but um, so and I had all the lessons: ballet, gymnastics, tap, dance. That we talked about piano. Wow. Wow, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You're breaking up just a little bit. You're breaking up just a little bit. And I want to make sure the audience okay. heard, because I heard you pretty clearly. But you you okay. were part of a lot of extracurricular activities. In a lot of from band, dance, yes. Dance, ballet, to ballet, dance. To gymnastics, uh, tap, swimming, literally anything I thought wow. I wanted to do. They made sure I did it. That's that's how you find out who you are. That's how you raise a child in the way they should go, because curiosity Mm -hmm. is good. Because when they're older, they won't depart from what they're good at, what they love to do. We we won't. And I was in church, you know, and that's something I know we are missing now. Um, And I hope I don't step on anybody's toes when, when I say this. But children now have so many options and choices. And they have choice if they want to go to church or not, and all of the extracurricular activities um, sometimes serve to put church and spirituality on the back burner. But the church is where I, 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 my voice was developed even the more. My voice was developed at home, but it was more developed and was able to to grow and expand in the church. Yeah. And so I was there for choir rehearsal. I was there for youth programs and and everything we did. That's right. That's right. And I I want to know, being that to hear about your adoption, to hear about your your parents and how they raised you and encouraged you to to be curious, to find out who you were and find out what you were good at. 
How does that now impact your ministry? Oh my gosh, in so many ways. It that impacts my ministry just in a in a myriad of ways because my my, my quest for knowledge, insight, understanding and wisdom is is really unquenchable. I'm always digging. You know, I'm always mm-hmm. searching. I was talking with a friend a couple of weeks ago, and, and I told them, you know, I have to reel myself in when I'm studying. Because if, if I'm in a passage of scripture and I see one or two words that really catch me, now this is not really, that, that part is not the main crux of it. But if this part over here catches me, I got to go, hey, I, if, it's, if it's in the Old Testament, I got to go to the Hebrew. If it's the New Testament, I got to go to the Greek. I got to sit down and I got to study and I've got to find out and I've got to dig. And then three hours later, I got to come back to where I started. And it's like I'm always looking for the next piece, the next layer. Yes. You know, because my dad told me, if if you can't, my dad told me, I think, just a minute when I was three. If you can't, if you don't read, you can't talk to me. Wow, at three. And, and, I, All right. and, I, and I want and I want to talk to my daddy. I want to talk to my daddy. I want to talk to my daddy. So by four, I was reading the local newspaper. And I could sit down with my father and discuss with him. Well, daddy, did you see so-and-so, so-and-so in the paper? Not what was on the TV, in the new, but in the paper, what was in print. Wow. That's right. For, for y'all youngins who don't understand what newspapers are, <laughs> how crucial they were. Oh, life. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, that was a big deal. That was our news. It was. So tell me about just, okay, so within your ministry, obviously you've had this super rich, uh, perspective. You were raised with such a rich perspective on life. Within your ministry today, do you see like all those sweet gems that were placed in you? Are, <laughs> I already know the answer to this, but did you see what is the, the draw within your congregation and did you see the outpouring of of the good that was placed in you and the hunger and the thirst that is needed within the community. And talk to me a little bit about what you see, because you were raised in such a, a wonderful way. And a lot of us within the community, the church community, you know, we, we have, it could be a 50, 50 toss. And especially for those that are in the LGBTIQ plus community who have kind of a hostile experience with traditional church. Mm-hmm. How is your ministry being based upon your wonderful childhood and your life? How, t- tell us a little bit about that, how, how that interaction has been with the community. I think the primary element, not I'm saying, I know the primary element or the component that I try to preach, teach, 
live and show um, within the virtual space that we are now. Uh, we were in, in, in a physical space, but <clears throat> after so much prolongedness with, with COVID, especially here uh, in the South and, and in, um, where I am, you know, we found it more prudent um, to just go straight, you know, straight virtual. But I still try to maintain the primary, um, the primary thrust of our ministry, and that's love, love and right. fellowship. That there is no person walking the face, as old folks would say, of God's green earth whom God does not love. Amen. Period. You know, and my parents always loved me, no matter what I did. And inquisitive was a nice word. Um, no matter what I did, you know, um, or anything. I was smart. I always did my lesson when I went to school. But, you know, I would challenge teachers. I would say stuff I should not have said. I would do things. You know, but my parents always loved me. My parents yeah. never threw up at me, even at my worst moment. Stuff did well, I help us, Jesus. My parents never threw up at me. We should have left you where we, where, where we found you. Well, and I know God. people who heard stuff, who, whose parents yes. told them things like that. My parents never did that. My parents loved me unequivocally. And so I bring that and show that um, in, in, in the ministry and, and the fellows I, I mentor and work with. I've done prison ministry. I've worked with, with women who are incarcerated. I did that for like 12 years. I've mentored youth. And, and, you know, and it's always, baby, there is nothing you have done. Nothing. Trust me, there's nothing you have done that God will not forgive you for and that God will withhold God's love from you because of. It just does not exist. I don't care what the people say out here in these streets. Amen. Amen. And uh, and listen, everyone, you know, I this network is dedicated to individuals that are in the streets, okay? The boots on the ground, their ministries are very in touch with people. So when you hear them preach and teach, they're talking about real-life issues. I have listened to City of Refuge Memphis, now several of your sermons now, and I hear the heart in, in what you're talking about. And you're talking about current events and things that are happening, uh, folks being being locked up or held in different countries and and how we need to and how it impacts our current day and what the church should be doing we as a church should be doing and you really take it there you don't you're not shy to take it there <laughs> no my dad I, didn't raise me as shy unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> well you know you can't have this real calling and be shy you cannot fear the face of the men and I love that about City of Refuge Memphis is that it you it feels like a, a shelter, a place where people mm-hmm. can come and get healing and it's a safe space. At the same time, 
you are not going to mince your words, and you're not going to play around with folks. And that's oh, you could thing. tell that. Yeah, your oh. messages. You don't. You, you don't sound like you're playing around. <laughs> but and you know, just Dominic is too much. Yeah, because there are too many people that are playing games, and we know the streets. You know, the folks in the street know games. That's right. And people so are looking for you, authenticity. Yes, they are. And at this day and time, especially with so many scandals uh, coming out from different churches, different organizations, people are looking for real. And I just mm-hmm. want to encourage everyone who's listening in, check out City of Refuge Memphis, okay? Check them out online. They're on YouTube. They're on Facebook. They're also debuting, as I have already mentioned, on Bulletin Flight Radio here in September. So check them out. And, you know, I understand that, you know, some of us have our church hurts and have gone through yeah. whatever we have gone through, but there is healing. And yes, this whole thing is built not to keep you a church hurt, but to offer you healing from those who have also been church hurt. So we know what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, yes. We, we know. We are you. You are us. We're, we're, we're one family. So I wanted to ask you, where do you see your ministry, this ministry, City of Refuge, all that you do within your, your ministry career? Where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? Oh, my gosh, next 10 years. So a couple of things. City of Refuge Memphis Fellowship has a, a nonprofit, which is City of Refuge Memphis Fellowship Arms of Love. And the Arms of Love, or the nonprofit arm, um, has, was, was birthed actually last year. And it is <clears throat> designed, or its purpose, main purpose, is to reach out the arms, but to reach out and to wrap around, wrap our arms around the marginalized, the disenfranchised, um, in all in in Memphis and Shelby County, um, to let them know that God loves you. And so some of our initiatives are, you know, we feed, we we provide food, clothing. Um, and and um, that's it, cleaning supplies and those types of things to people who are in transition. Um, one of the one of the partnerships we have is with the relative caregivers program, and that's a that's a ministry or an organization that works with people who care for their relative children, be it grandparents aunts, uncles, great aunts, uncles, cousins, um, who have custody of children because parents are either deceased or are not able to care for their children any longer for whatever reason. And so within the next five to ten years, we see our partnership with them expanding. 
I am actually working on a business plan now that I'm not at liberty to discuss. Uh, <laughs> but it is, I, I, I just, I can't let it out yet. yet. Right. Um, but we are going to work with a population that I know in, in our area, no one is focused on. And Wonderful. because no one is focused on this population, we are having some serious issues. Because data never lies. One thing that doesn't lie, numbers do not lie. That's right. And we have some data that is very disturbing. Um, and, and God placed this in my heart um, last year. And then things start, you know, just happening, you know, not just in our communities, yeah. but really in communities across the country. And, and, and there's a population that is not getting the attention they need. Yes. Not they're not getting the right attention, and because they're not getting the right loving attention, they're getting the other attention. And so our hope within the next five to ten years is to have uh, a, a ministry that that can fully serve. And when I say fully serve, fully serve based on God's purpose mission and vision for, for City of Refuge Memphis Fellowship and City of Refuge Memphis Fellowship Arms of Love. Serve all those those who are in the LGBTQI plus community, those who are poor, disenfranchised, um, and those who are just really on, on the margins and, 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 and who are hopeless. Because we know that hopelessness breathe so much um, that is not positive. That's right. That's so true. So much self-destructive behavior comes out of hopelessness. Yes, definitely. With that being said, if you could collaborate with any organization or person to help this come to pass, to help get this project off the ground and, and really get past some of these roadblocks, who would it be or whom would it be? I would have to say, of course, you know, partnering and, get, you know, getting more in the trenches with the Fellowship of Affirming Ministries um, and, and Bishop yeah. Yvette Flunder. And then I would say the Annie E. Casey Foundation. Because they their arms are you know are, are are bent towards justice. Okay, all right. And as the we might as well put it out there. Anybody listening? You got any contacts? <laughs> Come see your girl. That's it. That's it. You know because there there there's enough out here for of everybody. Yeah. You know, but it's just we've got to we've got to. I, I preached the sermon uh, uh, the first Sunday in August. I was on sabbatical in July, and and and, and Sunday the first Sunday in August message was keep the main thing T H A N G, keep the main thing the main thing, because we, we the church not the folk out there is, is we like not the folk in the world whatever that's supposed to be, but the church universal I believe has uh, uh, put the main thing on the shelf. And we've got to bring the main thing back to the forefront. And the main thing is love. 
Amen. Amen. If we could just do that, it will fix so many other things right there. And yet mm-hmm. it's the hardest thing for us to kind of comprehend and be able to do. So what would you say? Yeah. <laughs> what would you say your greatest passion or and conviction is? My greatest Or are, have we already discussed that? <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's all around just being real and authentic. Yeah. Not playing games with people's lives. Um, I, I can't. I, I just, I don't have time. I really don't. Um, and I used to tell preachers, you know, um, when, when you get up to preach, You, we, we have to understand that for at least one person under the sound of our voice, this is a life and death moment. Yes, 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 God, yes, it is. And so you cannot stand behind a sacred desk haphazardly, or uh, now I, I don't know if you are ever use this word where you're from. But you can't, you know, you can't stand up there all willy-nilly. Yes, that's right. And and and, and just kind of throw stuff out. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Because somebody, we have to always approach the preaching moment yes. with the understanding that someone has come up in here, be it physically or logged on virtually, and they're looking for a word from the Lord. Amen. And they have decided, if I don't hear what I need to hear today, this is it. I'm finishing it. I'm out of here. And you can't tell by looking, because they could be the most put-together person you want to see, and you don't know what's going on on the inside. We do not. And so I'm very passionate about preaching and studying. I teach, I, I, I understand, I'm more of a teacher, but I'm very passionate about it. I don't wait till Saturday afternoon or Saturday night. The only day I really don't study, study is Monday. From Tuesday to Sunday morning, I'm in it. Because I'm passionate about the word, and I'm fully convinced that people need to hear hope, not foolishness. Amen. Not your opinion Amen. or my opinion, but they need hope. Yes. Yes, so true. And this question, this next question kind of goes along with what you just said, and that is mm-hmm. kind of what do you want people to know most about your ministry and your church? Those that may be tuning in for the first time. Amen. City of Refuge Memphis Fellowship is open to everyone. Our arms are ready to receive. You know, and I tell people, you know, we live not only in the Bible belt, we are in the Bible buckle. Memphis, Tennessee is a home to the church of God in Christ. Worldwide. Uh, (laughs) 
But, you know, and, and we, we, we understand that, that people live um, multiple lives. But yeah. God has not called yeah. us to live multiple lives. Well, not. Joe didn't. <laughs> he called us to walk in spirit and in truth. Truth. You know, and, and we are a ministry that walks, walks in truth. And we are led by the spirit of God and guided. Um, by the word, and when I say the word of God, I don't I don't mean from that from that inerrant perspective because we know that that's not that's not the case at all. But we are guided by the word as we are guided by God's spirit. Amen, amen, and amen. Now tell us how can we find you on social media. Well, on Facebook, we are City of Refuge Memphis Fellowship, and I have to make that distinction because there is a City of Refuge Memphis, um, but we are City of Refuge Memphis Fellowship. We're also on uh, Twitter and IG. All, right. all of it is City of Refuge Memphis Fellowship and our logo. I actually had um, when I when I met with a graphic artist and everything. I was very intentional about my colors and also about how our what our logo conveys. And when we look at our logo, the first thing you'll see is kind of like a heart uh, that's yeah. leaning, and 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 that basically signifies that God is always leaning. God's heart is always leaning towards God's children because mm. God is touched by each of us. Amen. That's so true. And what a beautiful reminder, too. I love that. And I've seen your logo. I didn't know, obviously, the story behind it. And uh, It's a beautiful logo, but it's even prettier now that you told me that. That's absolutely wonderful. Everyone, please find City of Refuge Memphis Fellowship online. Please uh, check out their YouTube channel. If you want to catch up with any old sermons, please catch up with them on Facebook as well because they post and they go live there as well. And all of the old sermons are on their page. And if that's all too much for you, don't worry about it. Listen to them right here on Bullet and Flight. They are on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. As you know, starting this Labor Day weekend, which is last week. Of course, you all know that. You know what day it is. But uh, check them out here again anytime, Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. They're here during the weekdays, weekday mornings or early afternoons, depending on where you live. And you will get fed, okay? You will leave smarter, you will leave encouraged, and, and you will leave more educated, as my father likes to say. <laughs> uh, hey, look, look, we're all, all looking and searching, um, as they used to say, you know, in the COVID church, you know, we're trying to go uh, higher heights and deeper depths. That's right. That's how we say it. <laughs> so everyone hang tight. Right, right here. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but we're also going to play past some of Pastor Janice's favorite 
inspirational gospel hits. So keep it locked in right here, and we shall return. Pastor Janice, I just want to thank you so much for your time. This has been such an enlightening interview. I feel so much better. (laughs) And I'm sure our listening audience does as well. Well, so thank, thank you, you so thank much, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank and we want to have you back people. soon. Thank you. I'd appreciate that. Anytime. All right. All right, everyone, keep it locked. Right here. We'll be right back. <laughs> 